The Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 to 17. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have, as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. The epistle lesson is taken from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Out of respect for Christ, we rise to hear the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Now, the text that I've selected for this message this morning is the Old Testament lesson that was read to you earlier from Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 and following. You know, people 
are often intrigued and drawn to the fanciful and to the miraculous. A few years back, the image of the Virgin Mary appeared on a bank window in Clearwater, Florida. And skeptics and sign seekers lined the streets to see the image. A short time after that, a painting of the Virgin Mary in a church in Toronto, Ontario, began to shed tears. And again, the skeptics and the sign seekers made their pilgrimage to the church to see this peculiar occurrence. Many Americans and Canadians want to believe and trust in God, or they at least want to trust in a, some kind of a how, higher power. But they want proof. They want proof that God exists. They want a miraculous sign from God, like maybe that of a weeping Mary on a, on a bank or window or something. They want this sign, this miracle, before they will consider entrusting their life to God. Well, that's nothing new. In fact, about 700 years before the birth of Jesus, a king lived whose name was King Ahaz. Ahaz ruled over the Jews of the southern kingdom, the people of Judea. Judea was a tiny, powerless, insignificant nation, really a state nation in the sea of powerful, wealthy nations like that of the Assyrians. And as king of the Jews, Ahaz is to ensure that the Jews continue to worship the one true God, the one who had created them, the one who had delivered them out of the land of Egypt, the one who had promised that he would bring them into the promised land, the one who made them into a great nation, the one who promised that there would be a savior. It sounds simple enough, doesn't it? To have the people continue to worship this one true God. But there is a problem. King Ahaz is what some might call a skeptic. Oh, he believes in gods. But he's not sure which god or gods to believe in. And so, like a seasoned gambler, Ahaz tries to cover all of his bases. If he plays his cards right, he can have all the gods up his sleeve for use when needed. And King Ahaz needs all of these gods now because his enemies from Syria and northern Israel are advancing against him. And instead of placing his trust in the only God who can truly help him, the Lord, Ahaz decides to form an alliance with the power ungodly pagan Assyrians. He places his trust in their gods. Because from his perspective, the Assyrian gods are more powerful than the Lord God Almighty. It's at this point that the Lord comes to this skeptical King Ahaz. And through the prophet Isaiah asks, do you want a sign to prove that I am powerful and trustworthy? Ask the Lord your God for a sign. Ask Him for a miracle. Whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. Ask, and I will do it for you. I want you to believe. I want you to trust in me. I want you to be confident in my faithfulness. Now, what would you ask for if God 
were to come to you and issue such an invitation? Well, Ahaz refuses to ask for anything. He says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Doesn't Ahaz's response sound kind of honorable, even pious? Well, nothing could be further from the truth. His pious response actually masks over his stubborn unbelief. For even as Ahaz speaks these words, he is stripping the temple of God of its gold and its silver to secure the assistance of the Assyrians and their impotent gods. Ahaz has chosen which way he's going. He's rejecting the only one who can really help him. And so Ahaz dares not ask the Lord. He dares not ask the Lord for a miraculous sign, for if the Lord fulfills that sign, then Ahaz will have to acknowledge that the Lord is the king. He'll have to submit and obey to the Lord, and he would lose control. And most people in power, like King Ahaz, don't want to lose control. Well, the Lord, he's just tired of it all. He's, he's fatigued by the skepticism and the unbelief of Ahaz and of many of the people in Judea. And, and, and God says through the prophet Isaiah, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child. And will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. What a sign. These words announce one of the most staggering realities the human mind has ever known or fought not to know. The arrival of God among us in our world. It's the announcement of the enfleshment of God. God will enter the world not by might or by power, but on a silent night in a crude, humble stable, located in an obscure town of Bethlehem. A virgin will conceive and bear the Son of God, our Lord Emmanuel. If this sign is accomplished, what sign will Ahaz, or anyone else in this world for that matter, need in order to believe in and to obey the Lord. Well, now we skip ahead some 700 years to a tiny town of Nazareth, maybe even more obscure than Bethlehem, where a man and a woman are engaged to be married. And unfortunately, the relationship is strained. Mary, a virgin, is pregnant. Imagine the conversation. It might have gone something like this, Joseph, um, I'm uh, pregnant. You're, you're what? Who's the father? Well, that's, that's, that's it, Joseph. There, there is no earthly father. An angel came to me and told me that the son in my womb is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the Messiah, the promised one. What, do you take me to be a fool, Mary? Yes, I am a man of faith. 
But have you no shame? Do you expect me to believe that fanciful tale? Away from me. I need time to decide what I will do with you. And as Joseph contemplates what to do with Mary, God gives Joseph a sign too. Matthew narrates, and we heard it in the gospel reading, but it's worth hearing again. Joseph, Mary's husband, was a righteous man, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. And so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And Joseph gave him the name Jesus. And now we jump ahead a few more months to our Lord's birth. And some shepherds are watching over their flocks by night. And God gives them a sign too. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, fear not. For I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And he is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You'll find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And so the shepherds hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Friends, are you searching for a sign, for a miracle, to attest the reality of God's existence and of his love for you? Well, there is no greater sign, there's no greater miracle that points to God's love for you and me than the sign that he gave to King Ahaz and to Mary and to Joseph and to the shepherds. There's no greater sign than the sign of Emmanuel being conceived in Mary's womb, the Virgin Mary's womb, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is both God and man. The infant nursing at Mary's breast is the eternal Son of God who participated in the creation of the heavens and the earth. The face of the infant that the shepherds behold is none other than the face of God himself. Cast all your doubts into the trash heap of empty-headed rationalism and meditate. Meditate on the wonders of God's love for you. That baby is the savior of the world. That baby is your Savior. Kneel before him as did the shepherds. Join the voice of the prophet Isaiah who heralded 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And tell your family and your friends this good news that the angel proclaimed, fear not, fear not your loneliness, fear not your illness, fear not your unemployment, fear not this war-torn world, fear not death, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Like the saints of old, like Isaiah and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, we will never understand the how of the incarnation. But we can marvel at the wonders of God's love. We can worship and adore the Son of God, the wonders of God's love who came in flesh and blood. And we can appreciate the why of the incarnation, why God became Emmanuel, God with us. Because the angel tells us the why of the incarnation. You shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. There in that lowly stable is the answer for why God became a human being. To rescue you and me and all the other people of this world from the curse of sin. And to reconcile us to God our Father. And so what does Christ's incarnation, what does the wonders of God's love mean for you? Well, are you faced with difficult decisions? Are you on the road to self-discovery? Are you confused by your identity? Are you searching for meaning and purpose in life? Are you filled with anxiety, worries, and fears? Are you struggling with guilt and shame and a sense of failure because of your sin? Are you trying to put behind you a horrid past? Are you struggling with temptations and need to hear God's word of forgiveness spoken to you? Are you overwhelmed with Grief and need God's comfort and hope. Then listen to these words. We do not have a high priest, a savior, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have a savior who has been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet he was without sin. And so let us approach his throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace, God's undeserved favor, to help us in our time of need. In other words, return regularly to Christ's cradle and see our Lord Emmanuel who came to bear all your burdens. Gaze upon Christ's cross and see the Lord Emmanuel who bore the guilt and shame of your sin. Behold Christ's empty tomb and rejoice that our Lord Emmanuel overcame death, thus promising us eternal victory. And search God's word, that is the Bible, for in the pages of Scripture, our Lord Emmanuel will speak his truth to you. And pray, pray to the Lord Emmanuel, for he rules over all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And look ahead to when our Lord Emmanuel will return in all glory, in all the glory possesses as God's Son, Look to him, look to that time, for he will take you to your heavenly home.
Michael Card, a Christian songwriter, reflecting on the incarnation of God, writes, If God with us is reality, how could life ever be the same? He has come. God is with us, here with us. He walked among us. He walks with us still. So why do our hearts not burst at this realization? I pray that our hearts will burst with faith and love and peace and joy as we meditate upon the wonders of God's love. The infant, the son of Mary and Joseph, is not only their savior, but he's our savior too, isn't he? This newborn, this newborn whom we worship and adore and serve is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the miraculous sign of God's wondrous love. What other sign from God do we need to entrust our life to him? Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.